All right, getting into kinky boots. Quick backstory. It's about this British guy who teams up with a drag queen to make fetish footwear for men in order to save his dad's old shoe factory. And there's a lot of acceptance undertones. This is even a shorter track. I mean, there's no tracks that are just dialogue or instrumental, but 16 songs. Oh. And a few of them are like... All Charlie soliloquies are kind of one thing, so we don't even really... I actually love Charlie soliloquies. Those are, like, some of my favorite songs. <laughs> I only like the second one. Okay. The first song is Price and Sun theme slash the most beautiful thing in the world. Trust your feet in Price and Sun. Our work is tried and true. Practical, pragmatical, steadfast and sturdy too. two main characters charlie is said british guy lola is said drag queen they show up as little boys and charlie's with his dad lola's with her dad and basically charlie's dad is like the most beautiful thing in the world is a shoe and charlie's like yeah okay like i'm five so i'm gonna agree with you but also like this these go on your feet right <laughs> and then lola as the little boy puts on these high heels and starts dancing in them. And then her dad is a boxer and he's just like, what are you doing? And then the scene switches and all of a sudden they're both grown up. So much honestly goes on in this song. Grown up Charlie walks onto stage with girlfriend who is called something. Nicola. Nicola. Yeah, he walks on stage with Nicola and they're talking about leaving their small town and the shoe factory to go to London and do all these great things. And she's like, I need you to buy these 900 pound shoes for me. And the first time that I saw Kinky Boots, I thought she was so annoying. I was like, this bitch. But then I was like, she's also you. <laughs> yeah, I'm her. I was like, you know, you moved to the biggest city in your country so that your options of employment and shopping are broadened. And you're just like, I need these shoes. Yeah, I also love shoes. So I have to love this show because they literally say the most beautiful thing in the world is a shoe. In general, I think it's a great opening number. It covers a lot of ground once you think about it. I mean, it sets up the show really well. I do have a character issues with this song. Young Simon or young Lola is trancing around in a pair of heels and his dad yells at him. And then later when Nicola is talking about like, oh, I need these shoes. There's the most important thing to me and charlie's dad is like oh shoes are the most important thing in the factory and then young simon is like i'm gonna come back for these shoes and i'm like what is the timeline here because simon and charlie are supposed to be the same age but they just want to shove young simon in so that charlie can speak to all three of them and be like hey these are shoes calm down i actually really liked this because during this song, you can see how Charlie's dad is really unhappy about him moving to London because he wanted him to take over the shoe factory. So he has this line that's like, these shoes are symbols of our family history. And then Nicola comes back onto stage with the 900 pound shoes. And she says, these shoes will carry me to where I want to be. And then the highest note is sung by young Simon who says, don't you go anywhere because you belong to me. And he's also talking about his high heels. So I kind of like that back to back to back about what shoes mean to these three different people. And then Charlie comes on and he's like, 
you do all realize you're just talking about shoes, right? Right. And that was like such efficient, well done characterization between these four people. talking about shoes so anyways after this song ends you see charlie and nicola move to london and then he gets a call where they're like hey your dad died come back so he leaves nicola in london and comes back to the factory and finds out they've been operating on a deficit forever just because his dad couldn't fire everyone because they're all friends so he's genuinely considering selling this factory but all the factory workers that watch him grow up are basically like bitch figure it out this is our livelihood yeah particularly lauren she's like um excuse yourself he's in a lot of dilemma so he goes to a bar and meets an old friend harry whose dad used to work with charlie's dad the song is take what you got it's the only song that harry's in i think it's the only time that harry even shows up on stage yeah it's kind of more rock ish but it's one of my favorite songs all the harrys have great voices so harry and charlie are reminiscing they're like remember when we were little kids and we would hang out here while our dads would have a drink after work and we would be like we're gonna do great things we're gonna leave this small shitty town i think it's the perfect mid-20s song it's like hey now you're an adult (laughs) this is what you have what you're gonna do about it Andy Kelso plays harry in the original cast and he's the final charlie so if you like him you've got a tank what you've got even when your life is in nuts you take aim take your shot sometimes you've gotta rewrite the blood the next song is land of lola and charlie's stumbling around at night in london and he sees this girl being borderline assaulted by these drunk guys So he goes over and he's like, hey, like, let's not do this. This is not cool. They knock him out. And the girl turns out to be Lola, who, despite being a drag queen, is also still a professionally trained boxer because of her dad. So she goes and beats everyone up and then carries Charlie back to the club where she dances. Leave expectations at the door. Just let your eyes explore my cinematic flair from my boots to derriere. This is a stage within a stage moment because this is literally her performing at this club. She goes back to her dressing room. Charlie's there chilling. Lola's like, see, saving your ass. I broke a heel. And that's when Charlie gets this idea that he can make drag queen shoes that are pretty and support the weight of a man and don't break. And also because Lauren was like, oh, you know how all these other factories survived? They found a niche market. So that's when you get to this first soliloquy. The first soliloquy and the third soliloquy are the same exact melody and they're kind of just these like solos of charlie that aren't really solos the soliloquies it depends which cast recording you're listening to because the second soliloquy that cindy mentioned on the original broadway cast recording is tagged on to the beginning of everybody say yeah and so it's just charlie soliloquy and then charlie soliloquy reprise for the third soliloquy but on the london recording they are separated into three soliloquies the london recording happened three years later they do a lot of instrumental changes and i think it's so much more interesting and it's also recorded live so you can hear some more of the dialogue and what the scenes are like i got to see the original lola when i saw this show in london 
I saw Matt Henry, fucking amazing, but whatever. First soliloquy, he's making this shoe and he's just talking to himself. The shoe comes out and they are red knee-high boots like Lola requested, but they're flat. Lola comes and she's like, yeah, I'm not wearing these. Charlie's really proud of himself and that's what like his first main solo step one is about. They did a tryout of this in Chicago and they originally had the song and it was called I Come to the Rescue. Because I guess Charlie was like, oh, look at me. I figured out what to do. I'm great or something. But it also didn't really work out well because they would hold focus groups after performances and just be like, oh, what did and didn't work. The original Charlie Stark Sands was talking about how after I come to the rescue, there'd be like golf claps in the audience. So they're like, hey, Cindy Lauper, we need a banging song for Charlie. And she asked Stark Sands, what were your musical influences when you were like 13 and singing in the shower? And apparently he said Weezer, and she just ran with that. And I also like the idea of step one, because, you know, shoes and steps. So. I may be facing the impossible. I may be chasing after miracles. And there may be the steepest mountain to overcome. But this is step one. Next is our second big Lola song slash ensemble song. Lola is just such an important character. Because, you know, some characters you can kind of phone in, but Lola, just the physicality of it and what you have to do to hit all the notes as Lola, both literally and figuratively speaking, you just have to be at a certain level. She dances in six inch heels every night. Sex is in the heel is an entire song about how important high heels are and she gets all the other factory workers really really riled up all the women are super on board like yeah we like heels and looking sexy also like this is great notably this is kind of when you first get to know don he well immediately he starts falling for lola then he finds out that lola's biologically a man and starts judging her he's just not on board with this whole thing and he's like hey you're ruining this factory He's just like the old conservative dude who's trying to hold everyone back because you need He's a villain. He's also really important, though, because he has a great redemption arc. Also, one more thing about Sex is in the Heel, which I didn't realize because I guess I wasn't paying attention to this before it came out. But before it even premiered in Chicago, uh, they released a remix version of Sex is in the Heel, and that actually made top 10 on the Billboard Club charts. Interesting. I like Land of Lola more if I had to choose. I mean, I guess song. Sex is in the Heel is more applicable when you take it away from the show yeah jack it up cause i'm no flat tire Mack it up six inches higher the sex is in the heel so just embrace it our seventh track the history of wrong guys which is lauren's only solo and basically she starts falling for charlie who she has never liked before because they grew up together and she's really seeing like his ambition and his drive and turning this factory around so she's just falling for him the staging of this song is hilarious so she's working on shoes i must come here about she starts licking shoes and just doing all this weird stuff it's kind of like a different alternate version of I Won't Say I'm in Love from Hercules because she definitely knows that she's starting to develop a crush on Charlie but she's trying to resist it. Lauren's a classic alto. The range on the song is like... It's just a standard belt. It's funny because Annalie Ashford who originated Lauren is actually a soprano. Like she's played Glinda but she was also one of the first people cast 
because director Jerry Mitchell had worked with her before. And he was like, oh, this girl can be funny. Like, I want her on this show. Originally, Lauren didn't have that much screen time. And it wasn't until she was cast that he was like, oh, maybe Lauren should get a song. The next song, you don't like it. Yeah, I guess you could say I don't really like Not My Father's Son. I don't really hate it, but it is one that I tend to skip if I'm just trying to listen through the album. It was originally my favorite song on the track, Walking Out of the Show. Now it's probably my second favorite song on the track. It was so crucial to me because everything else so far has been like fast-paced funny dramatic sexy and then in this scene lola actually puts on a suit takes off her heels introduces herself to charlie as simon dresses like a man and they have this really great bonding moment where they're both saying i'm not what my dad wanted me to be it's the first moment charlie and lola really bond beyond the fact that they both need boots i definitely think it's a song that's necessary i think it's a little long for what it needs to accomplish i do really like the later part of the song where charlie does sing with lola i think that those harmonies are really nice and them connecting like you said and also not much on stage happens because it allows you to focus on the song but i think it could just be slightly more interesting i think i like cried during the song (laughs) i'm not the image of what he dreamed of with the strength of Sparta and the patience of Job still couldn't be the one and the final song act one is everybody say yeah which is the wildest shit ever okay because this choreography is crazy charlie's girlfriend nicola actually comes back from london and tells him that she's found a buyer for the factory's land and he's like no i'm not doing this this is what my dad wanted she's like no your dad actually told me that he wanted to sell the factory coming right after not my father's son it's just building on his motives of he's not just doing this for his dad anymore but he's doing this for himself and his friends and for lola they finally make the shoes that lola wants it comes down on the conveyor belt and there's music that's like ah. a harp yeah yeah and then the conveyor belt gets broken into like four sections and they all start dancing on moving conveyor belts yeah it's insane they did that for the tony awards so if you haven't seen it go watch that yeah the choreos just completely on elevated treadmills being pushed and pulled together it's such a like classic and standard but good ending yeah before intermission and it's because director jerry mitchell and the scenic designer scott pask had worked together before and they're like yo what if we just tried something crazy they didn't used to have safety handles and then they were like we might need this so then they (laughs) installed those (laughs) everybody everybody definitely kind of turns a little more serious i guess that's where all these acceptance messages come out so the first song is in act two is what a woman wants which lola sings and basically dawn is like you couldn't possibly know what a woman wants and lola starts ballroom dancing with all the girls in the factory and this like and they love they're like we love sensitive men 
So Don gets really mad and they set this deal where they're like, we're going to give each other a challenge and we both have to do it. Don says, I'm going to challenge you to a boxing match. And that leads right into the next song in this corner. And Charlie's basically like, oh my God, this is going to be a massacre. And Lauren's like, hey, like Lola might have some moves up her sleeve. Like she's a dancer. (laughs) She got muscles. And Charlie's like, I'm not worried about her. She's a professional boxer. Don's getting beat up. And then at the end, though, Lola lets him win. And he knows that. So he goes to find Lola after. And he's like, why did you let me win? And Lola says, because compared to your challenge, mine is so much harder. And then he asks Don to accept people. According to Wikipedia, it's, quote, accept someone for who they are. Charlie and Lola start having a debate because they made all these boots and they want to um, display them at a fashion show in Milan. But the factory is very low on budgets and they also need to hire models. So Lola's like, let's not hire models like me and my drag queen friends will do it. And Charlie's like, are you fucking kidding me? This is Milan, like the peak of the peak. We're not putting drag queens on. So Lola gets really offended and just picks up and leaves. Charlie gets really anal and he starts criticizing everyone's work on the shoes. So his whole factory basically just ditches him, which then goes into Charlie's like main solo, solo man. It's a classic like power ballad that I don't think you see for guys very often. Yeah, that's true. Guys don't tend to have power ballads as much. It's also just kind of a song for the guy to show off. Charlie's on stage alone, and he also does these very dramatic, like, kneel on the ground, (laughs) fist-pumping moments. But here's where I kind of want to talk about the actors I saw, because um, when I saw this show in London, I saw it with David Hunter, which is not the original because the original is Killian. But David Hunter is like arguably just as good. And then I also saw closing cast. I don't know what was going on with Andy Kelso. Maybe he was sick, but he did not have the range for this song. They had the loudest backing track for him. Ever. He's on stage alone. So, you know, like if this is a live show and you're on stage alone and there's no other people on stage with you harmonizing and the backing track is like louder than the soloist, that's kind of a problem. Yeah. To speak to that, um, Andy Kelso was the first Charlie I saw. I still don't love the show as much as you do. I also saw it twice. But I definitely thought it was a good show. Andy Kelso, like Soul of a Man is a song that had to grow on me. Like I didn't really get into it the first time I heard it. So I don't know if that's an Andy Kelso thing. The second time I watched it was with Tyler Glenn of Neon Trees. And he definitely did a surprisingly good job, to be honest, because I didn't think he could act that well. Their Soul of a Man really stood out to me. So I think it does really depend on what your Charlie does with it also. It is a really good song, though. I do like it on the 
cast recording, which I normally listen to the Broadway cast. Overall, I definitely don't think that the closing cast is bad or anything, but for a closing cast, it's a little underwhelming. Yeah, we'll see. Lauren finds Charlie after Soul of a Man. And she's like, hey, come into the factory. And he finds out that all the lights are on and all the shoes are being made and everything's going as planned. So he's like, thank you so much, Lauren. And she's like, this wasn't me. This is about Don, which is really about Lola because she challenged him to accept someone for who they are and Don accepted you. The final solo before the big finale is a Lola solo, which is Hold Me In Your Heart. She actually dons on this white dress, goes to this senior home, and then you figure out that um, she was singing it at her dad's senior home. And it's really weird because... You're expecting a big reunion moment, but no big moment happens and you really don't know what's going on. Right. And earlier, Lola told Charlie that her dad was dead. Oh, I don't remember that. (laughs) I think it was around Not My Father's Son. But yeah, so it's like kind of a slight twist. Ali is really funny because they literally have no models and Don and like the rest of um, the factory guys. Lauren. Lauren, right. Lauren, they're all like, uh, so we have no models. What's happening? And they're like, oh, Charlie's going to model. And everyone's like, this is not going to be okay. <laughs> so the announcer comes on. He's like all the way from England, kinky boots. And then Charlie shows up on stage in like his boxers because he needs to have his legs out for these boots so he's in his boxers with these thigh high boots and practically just falls immediately so he's sitting on this runway like ah fuck and then lola makes a big dramatic entrance with all her drag queens they start strutting down the stage yeah so they have the fashion show and then charlie and lauren get together don accept people Don has the greatest high note ever. Yeah, like, yeah. And it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, because you don't hear him sing really much, but like he also has to be a fairly decent singer to pull off that note. And the ones you love are gonna set you. Honestly, also Nicola's part in the opening, like it's just standard belting, but I love her line her lines that she has and also she's done by like fairly good singers the second time i watched nicola she was played by carolyn bowman and she's played alphaba before so that's like that's like the kind of singer we're talking about doesn't nicola also get the finale line that's like accept yourself and you'll accept others too i forgot she came back at all i thought she She disappeared she comes back and i think she has like a really good line the finale too accept yourself and you'll accept others too I performed this song in a school production, right? And there's one line that's when your bubble busts, let me raise you up. If your glitter glitter rusts, let me raise you up. And um, after our final performance of the show, we were hanging out at Uno's. And these two guys that were in the show, but not in this particular song and didn't have to learn the lyrics to this song, said, I didn't want to like make you guys laugh while performing this song but since it's over now can you please tell me what you're actually saying in the line that you say if you're clitoris 
And this is why our podcast is explicit. One more thing about this song. So I'm guessing this must have been 2014 or maybe 2013, but they also performed this song in the Macy's Parade, which, much like the prom, also drew scores of outrage about this, whether or not this was, quote, family-friendly entertainment. Actually, so when I saw this um, show in London, five minutes before the show started, I was in the bathroom and I heard an announcement that was like, please know that if you have children here, that this show is not recommended for kids under the age of 16 or something. Huh. Besides, I guess, saying sex, there's not really anything besides a drag. Yeah, but I do think it's still a little more mature than prom because well, yeah, for there sure. is basically a strip club. We were talking about how, like, prom has a progressive message. This one was way more ahead of its time. We have a lesbian trans woman. Well, okay. So on that lesbian note, a really interesting thing was the talk of Lola's sexuality when they were creating this show. Yep. And so Billy Porter, who originated the role of Lola, they were talking to him about, like, oh, yeah, so Lola's straight or whatever. And Billy Porter was like, um, excuse me, no. And he had this whole deal where he was like, any character I play, I want to be like, keep my integrity to myself and who I am and not just portray things for the sake of portraying them. And he was like, you can write the character however you want. And it's not stated explicitly whether or not Lola is straight. But he was like, mm-hmm. you cannot watch my performance and still believe Lola is straight. But he was okay with like, hey, if another actor wants to play Lola straight, then that's fine. But for me, Lola is not straight. The gender identification of Lola is like kind of ambiguous since she comes back as Simon a lot. But I think for most of the show, Charlie refers to Lola as a woman. Lola is a persona that Simon takes on is how I Mm -hmm. perceived it. So there may be times when... Simon is Simon and Simon represents himself as Simon and is a man but then for the most part he's more comfortable as Lola in which he identifies as a woman not my father's son was kind of Lola giving Charlie permission to know her as Simon right because later on when they were fighting and Charlie called her Simon she got really offended yeah that's true it's like I'm letting Mm -hmm. you into this deeper part of me that exactly. not a lot of people know. Charlie from Northampton meets Simon from Clacton. The history of Kinky Boots is actually really interesting. Um, and I won't go into it too much because there's a whole podcast about it from Broadway Backstory. So look that up if you're interested. But it's actually really cute because the producer, Daryl Roth, she saw the movie in 2006 and she was like, I literally ran out of the theater and called my son and was like, I want the rights to this movie to make this into a musical. And her son is Jordan Roth, who's the president of Jujamson Theatres, which conveniently owns the Al Hirschfeld Theatre, which is where Kinky Boots is playing now. So it's like this sort of family affair. And his now husband also manages Harvey Firestein, who wrote the book. And Harvey called up Sidney Lauper and was like, hey, do you want to write the songs for this? It also was a true story before it was a movie. I think the real Charlie Price is called Steve Bateman. Funnily enough, when I saw it in London and told my coworkers about it, a couple of them said they remember learning about this in history class, which just doesn't seem like it's important enough to be brought up in history class, but... That is interesting. For Tony's, this won six, but was nominated for 13. Mm. 
you want to see if you can guess which six? Okay. Well, I know it won Best Musical, obviously. I know it won Best Score. It was also Cindy Lauper was the first woman to win this category alone, like without a co-writer. So that was kind of cool, which is also like kind of alarming yeah. because if I told you like, hey, 2014 was the first year that a female artist won the Grammys, you'd be like, the fuck? Yeah. The rest, I costume design? Um, No, but they were nominated. All right. What about choreo? Yes. Set? Set was nominated, but not one. Actor. For Billy Porter, yes. Okay, cool. You got four. You probably will not get the other two because they're two of the more obscure ones. Like sound and stage or something? Sound and orchestration. Another actor nom for Stark Sands. Um, so they were both nominated for actor Billy Porter won. Well-deserved. Featured actors for Annalie Ashford, set design, costume design, lighting design, and direction. And then it also won the Grammy... And like we mentioned, Billy Porter and Stark Sands both got Grammys for that. So this was primarily up against Matilda. Back when it was showing in Chicago, no one thought that it would do this well. So everyone was like, Matilda's going to win. But then after opening night, people were like, hold on, this is the Yeah, it was like a slow burn. Oh, it was also Bring It On and Christmas Story were the other two. Oh, man. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Bring It On, like the cheerleader musical? Lin-Manuel Miranda and Tom Kitt did that one. So Cindy Lomp for one over our boy Lin. When they were in Chicago, the theater they were in was hosting Book of Mormon, the touring production, right after Mm -hmm. they were done. The producer was like, oh yeah, and I'd like go to the theater every morning and see this huge line and be like, wow, we're a hit. And they'd all be in line for Book of Mormon tickets. (laughs) So... But then but then later in the run, they got really good word of mouth. And so later on, he's like, and then they started lining up for us. Related fun fact. It won the 2016 Olivier Awards for Best New Musical against In the Heights. Oh, man. So that's twice that our boy Lynn lost to this <laughs> show. So what now? <laughs> Two different shows. It's a good fucking show. Go watch it. I also don't know any person who's seen Kinky Boots and didn't like it. So Oh, I know people. Oh, really? But also, like, she likes Waitress, so what does she know? <laughs> you know. But, whatever. Yeah. Um, both of these shows close April 7th is their last performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Band's Visit tour has not started yet, but will be going on tour. And Kinky Boots tour is ongoing. I don't know where they're going now, but they're in L.A. like a month ago. Cool. So thanks for listening in again. Um. Next episode, we should hopefully be going back to new musicals. So come join us as we revert back to that stuff. You can follow us wherever you're listening to this and tweet us at bottomlessbway or email us bottomlessbway at gmail.com and let us know yeah. what you think. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.